Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. got the power he's got the military he's got the trophy room from all the victories the crowns he has he literally had the crowns of kings he conquered all it was like a te- like he it's like the captain's chair in star trek i know it's a terrible analogy but like he was that guy he has the chair he's in charge of it the enterprise he's the guy it's his total identity The finances, the position, the power, and he earned it by defeating Goliath, being persecuted by his father-in-law, all that he went through. His sins known to the entire nation with Bathsheba and the census, and there he is on the king's throne at the age of 70. And he had to let go. You know, the longer you hold on to something that God's saying let go, the less likely you will let it go. Whether it's a possession, a memory, bitterness, anything, wealth. It just, the longer you hold on to it, the more likely it'll hold on to you. And instead of you being the master of that choice, that choice becomes master of you. David, there's a beauty. He is, has so much power. He's the CEO of this kingdom. And he, no one... To his last day, even if he's got dementia, no one's going to tell David he can't do what he wants to do. He earned that equity with the nation of Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like some people hang on too long at a job and they're the, they're the you know, they're the boss and they're not as efficient anymore. But no one will remove them because, you know, they, they, they earned this goodwill by how much they accomplished in their prime. And no one wants to tell them like, hey, you probably, can you let go? But we're talking about the kingdom of God here and a man of God. And we know in 1 Kings the story behind it. Because he was just kind of fuzzy. And then they came to him and said, hey, Nathan the prophet's like, oh, David, it's a bad scene here. Adonis says he's the king. And it's going to be bad news for Bathsheba. Well, he went to Bathsheba first. Nathan did. And all these things happened. But then David was prompted, you have to resolve this or there's going to be civil war. There's going to be unrest. There's lack of clarity. And to his credit, he did. He said immediately, do this, do this, do that. And he kind of snapped out of his little fuzzy zone. And they recognized Solomon as king. The people rejoiced. It was a huge feast. And it settled that uncertainty. David letting go in that last year of his life and giving the kingdom to his son, showed a lot about what kind of man he was because I've seen a lot of men that will never let go till their last breath. They die holding on to whatever it is they're holding on to, and women. So worship generation, body of Christ, this story, this first point, that he let go of such a powerful position before it was gonna, before he stepped into eternity, he let go of this power and everything he built up and just really prepared himself for what lied ahead. See, with the Lord, it's always forward, onward, and upward, right? 
So when you're letting go of something, that means you're now, equi- you're now letting someone else, God, put someone else there in that place. You're letting God seal that memory. You're letting God do something here. But when you hold on to things that God says let go of, you're, you're hindering, usually in the case of business and things like that, you're hindering the, the person that's meant to come in and replace that with the Lord. Or it's just an anchor keeping you from the glory toward the Lord. The best way to let go is to look up. The best way to let go of the past is to look up to the future of glory with the Lord. And David had such a heart for the Lord, and he was heavenly-minded and kingdom-minded, and he let go. Now, you're, maybe the younger people here tonight are saying, well, you know, I haven't got anything to let go. Well, just, you'd be surprised. It's in our nature to own something and to hold something, even if it's hardly anything. My sister, who was homeless for six years, used to tell me, you would not believe how hard homeless people fight each other for where they can even sleep sometimes. This is my space on Figueroa Street. This is my space behind the dollar store in Vista. And I'll fight you right now in a full slugfest over my space next to the Dempsey dumpster. We all gather things, and we all want to hold on to things. And in life... In the journey of faith with the Lord is keep a loose handle on it. Keep, keep, make sure it's the Lord's. And if he wants to build it up, build it up. If he says, let it go, let it go. I'm grateful in my life that I've learned in the process of life and ministry to let go. You know, you study certain famous actors or famous sports figures, and you realize you can see examples of people who are extremely good at letting things go. Joe Gibbs, the great NFL football coach, that wasn't, he loved the Lord. He won those Super Bowls with the Washington Redskins. He wanted to, he just was like, hey, I'm done. This is a closed door with the Lord. If you read his biography, and I did, like the Lord just showed him, you're done with football. In the prime of his life as an NFL coach, at the zenith of being a coach. And he let it go, and he had one car, and he started Joe Gibbs Racing. And the rest is NASCAR history. He would have missed this incredible story of what God did with him with his hundreds of employees there in Charlotte because I visited the place when I was working with the U.S. Olympic Committee. And I was like, it was unbelievable. All that, all that was there with Joe Gibbs Racing and the ministry he had with all those people, he would have missed it had he not let go of his NFL identity. How about Magic Johnson? He's a great NBA basketball player. He gets AIDS, and that's his identity. We all remember that in the early 90s when Magic had AIDS. It was like, wow, it was just unbelievable to us. He came back from that, played some great uh, NBA basketball. But what did he do after that? That wasn't his identity. He moved on from the NBA. He, he, he rebuilt Los Angeles that was destroyed in the riots in the early 90s. He rebuilt all that, the business plan, and became extremely successful with building inner city areas and creating commerce and industry for uh, lower income areas. And look at magic now. He just, he's just, he's still magic. Because he's going onward. So the key body of Christ, when God says let go, let go. Because when we get to, etern- when we get to the end of the journey, we're going to have to let go of what? Our life. You want to be so free from the things of time, space, and matter that when God says let it all go, you just say yes and amen. And you go to glory. That's how Lorraine Llewellyn went two weeks ago. And I'm looking forward to doing her memorial. I can hear her laugh. I can hear her laugh. Paul said this in Philippians. When he talked about his credentials in life, he said, you know, I count these things as rubbish that I can attain to everything Christ has for me and know the fellowship of my 
of the resurrection with him. And that's really the right attitude to have. Just when God says let it go, we got to let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. Look upward and keep moving forward. So then when you get to the end of your journey and you got to let it all go, it's an easy thing to do. I mean, you're so free to be in like memory care and not have anything own you except the Lord. You'd be that really sweet lady at the table. You'd be the really sweet man at the table waiting for lunch at 11.15. Second thing we see about David here in his old and full of days, it says that uh, he gathered together all the leaders. Look at uh, verse 2 there. He gathered together all the leaders. Man, he's... So he gathered all the leaders together of Israel with the priests and the Levites. So he let go of what he had to let go of, and then... So if you, look at, if you look at him letting go, we would say that was David with himself. He was securing himself, his self-identity, and he just let it go. Like, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm going to let it go. But here it's others. With others, he gathered them together, all the leaders. We see in, these next, in this chapter and the next two chapters how he gathered all these people together with the leaders. They cast lots for who served which of the 24 weeks and which team you're part of. We're told when he picked the worship leaders in chapter 25, he brought together the captains of the army. He brought in the military to help him choose the worship leaders that would prophesy for the Lord. So stay with me. In this last year of his life, he's surrounded by lots of people, people who respect him, people that he respects. He's surrounded by some of the mighty men. Men who came to him when they're in debt, in distress, and discontent at the cave of Abdullam, and they became great, mighty men and leaders in a great nation, pretty much at its zenith right here when David's 70. His son Solomon, in writing Proverbs, would say, to have friends, one must be friendly. And if there's anything Solomon could have learned from watching his dad in the palace is how what great relationships he had with people. Remember, when the, when the king of uh, Amnon died, what did David try to do? He wanted to comfort and minister to the prince. He was a bridge builder. He presumed the best and looked for the best and tried to bring out the best. And Saul, who preceded him, when Saul ended his life, it says all Israel was scattered. And here we read that all Israel is gathered And some people live for 70 years and they scatter. It's all about them, but they're negative and it's always someone else's fault. They never accept responsibility and they scatter everybody. They listen to the news and it makes them scatter. They watch TV and they scatter people. They read the internet and it's scatter, scatter, scatter. They, They go on social media, scatter, scatter, scatter. It's all they do. But some people don't have time for the news because they're making the news with the king of the news. And those people are like who we want to be. We gather. We're building bridges and we're bringing Christ, who is the light and life of men, into situations and we're building bridges. David was a man of great faith and is a man of great human relationships. Now, like all of us, he had his shortcomings in those relationships. But even when God was judging with the angel of the Lord, which we saw last week on the census, he said, Lord, don't let the curse be upon your people, let it be upon me. In my household. See, that's why God loved him so much. Because he cared about the people of God more than the man even in the mirror. And that's pretty amazing. He said, Lord, I've sinned greatly. Let it be upon me and even my household. 
God loved David so much, and David loved God so much. But David was a people person. And again, when you're, when, you come to the, when you're old and full of days, if you made time for friendships, you will have friendships. Exactly the amount of time you made for other people is the amount of time other people are going to make for you. That's just the way it is. I never thought of this in taking care of my dad, but it has struck me, struck me early on about first year or two helping my dad out when helping my dad was a six-hour commitment when we lived in San Diego. Go down after traffic at 9.30, get back before traffic at 3.30, and basically a work day. It occurred to me one day, in the, in the principles of sowing and reaping, that what I was doing for my dad, I was really setting myself up for what someone would do for me. In the measure I've given, I'll receive. Now, if I, if I step into eternity next year, then you'll realize I didn't get the payoff on that. But someone I love will. Because this universe is perfectly balanced by the God of justice who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And sowing and reaping will always pay out in time, space, and matter, and for all eternity. Like gravity. It, it just, it's just the way God set up his universe. What you put in is what you get out. And David made time for people, and people made time for David. And this isn't like people trying to undermine him, which he'd already been through. But these are loyal people, people that loved him. So when you come to the end of your life and you step into eternity, whether the opportunity is there for people that you poured into, like say, for example, the people that serve in our children's ministry. We've had so many wonderful people serve in our children's ministry for years and years and years. All they poured into kids and future generations. When they step into eternity, they might live in Arizona, Tucson, or somewhere like that, in an you know, elderly community that's really nice and warm, good amenities. And they might step into eternity by themselves at you know, Metropolitan Hospital downtown Tucson with maybe one relative by their side. But you know, all that they gave to the kids of this church for the last 20 years will still be to their account, whether those people get to go see them or not. I saw a video of Mr. Daniel, famous Mr. Daniel from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. He's been doing kids' praise songs for like as long as I've been saved, 35 years. Saw a new one of Mr. Daniel. Jennifer had it on TV for our grandkids. And Mr. Daniel's like rapping. He's got the rap gear. And he's like, because he, he takes scripture and he writes all these original songs, hundreds of them. I didn't even know it was Mr. Daniel. I was like, look at this guy. Zippy, look at this guy. This guy's rat. It was Mr. Daniel, who's my age. It's awesome. Mr. Daniel has led tens of thousands, literally, of children in songs of truth from the word of God. Mr. Daniel may step into eternity surrounded by loved ones. He may step into eternity by himself. But the seed he sowed for the next generation will go on and on and on in time, space, and matter, and for all eternity. So this is my point. Build friendships and build a network of friendships. We read that a man who isolates himself is unwise. Solomon said it in the Proverbs. And I'll tell you, coming from the future, especially younger people, listen to me. The older I get, the more I see more of my friends shut it down and just want to isolate themselves. On a house, on a hill somewhere in North County by themselves. They don't want anyone bugging them. They don't want to bug anyone else. They might buy the property on the lakes up there in the high desert. Once you get past Barstow, don't bother me. I won't bother you. But who wants to end their journey like that? If you got a lake, enjoy it and let your friends enjoy it. But who wants to end up there by themselves waiting for the apocalypse? That's just no way to go. When Jim Gallagher's mom stepped in eternity a couple weeks ago, she just moved from Huntington. She's early 80s, from Huntington to Vero Beach, Florida, where all the family was. And for the last four months of her life, all those grandkids and all those people hanging out with her, my daughter, Hannah, and all the joy. And then, boom, she was super healthy, and she was just like that, eternity. And what a joyful final four months to be surrounded by all that family and friends. 
If you're not surrounded by family and friends and loved ones on the day of the Lord, don't let it be because you lived a life that prevented it. See, the thief on the cross is an interesting guy. He's the epitome of grace. The thief on the cross made it in heaven by believing in Jesus right then and there on the cross. Because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the one thing the thief on the cross couldn't do is relive his life and not be a thief, a taker, but be a giver. See, he's in glory, but his dimension of glory is equal to us in Christ. But the level, there's obviously a level of something in the next dimension that's completely related to what we did in obedience in this one. Because we're told so. We're told that. So the thief is in there, but he did die alone on that cross. Apart from Jesus saving him, that's how his, that would have been his whole life. He couldn't come down and redo it. So we admire the grace that the thief on the cross was saved by grace, but what we really learn from that is that's not how we want to go. We want to just go sowing friendships and relationships and networking with people, not for financial gain, but just because we want to see people one for the Lord and shining for the Lord. David, when he was old and full of days, was surrounded by people, lots of them, loyal people, just lots of people. His captains, his mighty men, the priests, the leaders, they're all there. They're surrounded together, and it's incredible. It's a blessing. Would you be surrounded by people on the day of the Lord? Are you going to be surrounded by people? Have you given of yourself to people? When you're old and full of days, are you going to be surrounded by people? Are they going to bless the people you leave behind because you poured into them? The one thing we can do on planet Earth is change who we are. There's not a lot we can do about governments and trends and so all sorts of things, and we can't get upset by what we can change because we can't change it. And the worst thing you can do is lose any fretting or worry or anxiety over things you cannot change. The smartest thing you can do is look in the mirror at who you can change and invite the Holy Spirit to change you for the day of the Lord. That you'll be letting, you'll let go of things and you're ready for the day of the Lord. And you're mature because you could let go. Earth didn't own you. The Lord owned you and you let it all go. He didn't have to take it out of your hands. You just laid it down like a sacrifice. You let it go. And then you're surrounded by all those people that you poured into. And you sowed and you sowed and you sowed. And they're there with you in spirit, if not in presence. When you're old and full of days. And the final thing we see with David in this text is is David with God. We see David with himself, that he was securing himself to let it all go. And David with others, he was surrounded by all these people who loved him and supported him, true friendships, people that he inspired and equipped. They were now with him, and they were going to take everything forward once he was moving on to an eternity. But the third thing we see is the best part. In the middle of describing these thousands of priests and what they're going to do, yeah, the 4,000 for gatekeepers and 4,000 for praising the Lord with musical instruments. Now we get the David quotation, which I made, said David, for giving praise. And that chapter 25 is the appointment, all those men to lead praise, new, skillful and apprentice. We saw that. The young and the old, they're all, everyone got in on the ship. 24 groups of worship leaders twice a year rotating in on the 48-week lunar calendar. 
while the priests were over here doing their stuff, they're singing praise. They woke up every day, and their job when they were on the clock was to sing praise skillfully to the Lord. Sing skillfully to the Lord. David, of course, made instruments. He praised the Lord. He was a worshiper. He had a relationship with the Lord, and he praised the Lord. And the last thing he gave planet Earth was the ability, was to advance, to advance the kingdom that other people could know the Lord the way he did. He set them up with the priesthood and animal sacrifices that they could come to the temple daily and find forgiveness for their sins through the animal sacrificial system. And then he set up those singers of praise so when they came, they would hear the songs of heaven. They would hear the psalms that we read. He wrote so many of those psalms. We read those psalms. Many of the songs we sing have remnants or portions of those psal- the psalms in the songs. And some of the songs we sing, particularly some of those over, older Calvary Chapel songs from the 70s, they're straight up song, psalms of David from start to finish. The chorus is all there. They sang those songs. He sang those songs to the Lord 3,000 years ago. And we sing those same songs to the Lord 3,000 years later in the fullness of Christ. Isn't that amazing? And he wanted people to come and sing praise to the Lord. He wanted people to come to the temple and associate not this, the reality of this sacrificial system and the substitution for sin. He wanted them to, to hear the praise. Because it's one thing to be forgiven, but it's another to go forward in the power of the praise. We all want forgiveness, but do we learn to praise? You see, when you go forward and commit your life to Christ, you find forgiveness. But when you're sanctified and set apart and growing, you learn to praise. You receive forgiveness, but you learn to praise. When you praise him in the valley, when you praise him on the mountaintop, we all receive Christ and receive forgiveness through the blood. But not everybody sings praise and adoration and worship to the Lord. You learn to praise as you see his faithfulness working in your life. When you cried out to the Lord and he's answered you, in the deepest valley when he's deeper, on the highest mountain peak he's higher, that's where you find the praise. David, he was good with the Lord and good for eternity and good with the man in the mirror. He gathered all those leaders to himself. He was good with his people, his network of people, the relationships he had built, what he'd sown he was reaping. But here he's given them a better future. And this is what I I want us to really leave with her tonight. When we think about younger people and the next generation, we want to be like David. You older people, we want to be like David. We want to look upon our adult children and our children's children and even future grandchildren, great-grandchildren, because my dad has a bunch of them. So if you make your 90s and you have all those great-grandchildren, we want to look upon them and always see them with a, a faith, hope, and love and an expectation of a greater future with the Lord than anything we've ever experienced. David had elevated the kingdom of God like never before. The Ark of the Covenants in Jerusalem, the tabernacles there, the plan for the temple, Solomon, it's all there. Victory with all the surrounding people, it's all there. And yet David's like, no, but there's more. He saw, listen, when he's old and full of days, he didn't see self-pity in the mirror or a doom and gloom apocalyptic future for Israel and his son. He saw nothing but the glory, the glory of the Lord. And he wanted to do everything he could in his last year of his life to ensure that the next generation knew that as God had been faithful to him, he would always be faithful to them. For one generation shall proclaim your praises to another and to another and another. And a righteous man, a good man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's what David saw. When he was old and full of days, he was full of faith 
and expectation. And he put together these teams of priests and worship leaders to run their 48-week cycle on that lunar calendar to make sure that when he left, when he made sure when he left planet Earth, everyone was praising the Lord and under the blood. <laughs> Listen, body of Christ, that's the Great Commission. Don't you want to leave planet Earth? The legacy of your life is you want to see people under the blood and praising the Lord? That's why we get up in the morning. That's why we shine. We're told to be his witnesses, his ambassadors, and to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I'll tell you one thing. As I'm old and full of days and I'm getting fuller, I see a brighter future for planet earth and the next generation with Jesus than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. And so should you. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the praise doesn't end when we step into eternity. In fact, we should set it up that it finds a whole other gear when we leave the party. Yes, and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.